All right, we are heading into Easter. And so I am going to just do for the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at, in the Word of God, in in the Gospels, there are seven very powerful statements that Jesus makes between being crucified and his death. So over the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at those seven statements, those seven things that Jesus said while he was being nailed to a cross and to his last moments, his last breath. Okay, so um, to start off with, I'm going to just give a little kind of backstory as to what happened prior to this. So today we did communion. And this is the night before um, Jesus was betrayed, the night before everything kind of like went down a whole lot of crazy. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about um, what went on and what he said after that. So, so just to kind of bring into context what happened. So Jesus has the Last Supper. They did communion, just like we, what we talked about now. And then it comes time where Jesus is arrested. Now remember, he's, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He asks his father, you know, if there's, if there's a plan B, I'm, I'm open. I'm good. <laughs> um, but there's no plan B. God's like, you've got to do this for me. And, and so Jesus willingly goes uh, through what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. He willingly went to be crucified um, for our sins. So the night Jesus was arrested, just to kind of give you a little bit of context as to what took place... He, was, he had a, 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 you know, a multiple um, trials that he had to go through. So he was first brought to Annas. He was brought to Caiaphas. And then to a group of religious leaders that we would know, we would refer to as the Sanhedrin. After that, he was brought to Pilate. Pilate was a Roman governor. Pilate couldn't find anything wrong with him. He's like, I don't know what your guys' problem is with this guy. So Pilate's trying to wash his hands of this. He's like, I don't have anything to do with this. So he sends Jesus off to Herod. This is all happening at night. Okay, so this is, this is going through the night. All right. He goes to Herod. Herod's like, I, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. Like, I don't know what your beef is. And so Herod, everybody's like, doesn't want to have anything to do with this. So Herod then sends him back to Pilate, okay? And this is, that's like 30 seconds of me explaining this to you, but you have to understand that this is hours and hours of Jesus being taken to this person, put into kind of like a trial. They're like, we don't see anything wrong with him. Oh, okay, well then let's send him off to this person. And it just keeps going and going and going. There's six parts of Jesus's trial. Three of them were with religious court, and three of them were in a Roman court. So interestingly enough, as we read through the Gospels and and see how this all went down, it's interesting to see how much the Jewish leaders hated Jesus, how badly they wanted to get rid of him. And we see that in the fact that they actually disregarded all of the laws that they supposedly follow. They disregarded those when it came to Jesus' trial through the night. 
Number one, there should be no trial during feast time. And we know that everybody was coming uh, to celebrate Passover. So they were in the middle of feast time. So normally they would not, it's not allowed to do any kind of a trial during this time. But they allowed for this trial to happen. Each member of the court was supposed to vote individually. But Jesus was convicted by acclamation. If the death penalty was decided, if they decided whatever the court was, that they decided that the death penalty was the course of action to take, there was to be a night, a full night, before the sentence was carried out. So it was kind of like a wait period before the sentence was supposed to be put out. But in Jesus' situation, they only waited a couple of hours. Jewish people had no authority to execute anyone. No trial was to be held at night. And Jesus' trial was held before the breaking of dawn. The person accused was supposed to have access to counsel. So like have a lawyer to come and kind of like help a little bit, give some counsel, give some representation of some sort. Jesus had none. The person accused was not to be asked any questions that could possibly incriminate them in any way. But yet they asked Jesus if he was in fact the Christ. Charges against Jesus. He was charged with encouraging people to riot. He was charged with forbidding people to pay taxes. Which is kind of funny because we read in the Gospels where he gets a coin and he says whose face is on it. And they say Caesar's and he says, okay, pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So we know that he actually encouraged paying your taxes. And he was charged with claiming to be a king. He went back and forth, back and forth to different authorities all through the night. And finally, Pilate literally was like, I I can't find anything wrong with this person. There is no real reason to kill this man. So in in an attempt to kind of appease the people, he had him scourged, a Roman form of torture. And scourged means is somebody will whip you. You're, you're, You're basically tied to a pillar of some sort and you are whipped with your your stick has multiple leather straps and on the end of the strap is either like broken glass or some kind of metal something that will hit the skin dig in and then when they would pull it back it would tear the skin off Pilate tried to do this to appease the people, hoping that maybe by just scourging him, that would be enough for them. But the Jewish leaders were able to go in and infiltrate the crowd and get them stirred up in a manner that created such anger and such hatred that they said, we want death. So Pilate said, you know what, how about I give you a choice? Because he didn't want to take the responsibility on his own. 
and he brought forward a murderer, a man by the name of Barnabas, and he said, you can have him, the murderer, the one who has been charged, who is a horrible, horrible man, or you can have this man, Jesus, who I find nothing wrong. And as we read in the word, we hear that the crowds yelled, crucify Jesus. So people chose a man who they literally could not find anything wrong with, who went to multiple courts through the night, and every person was like, I got nothing. And they took him in place. So as we read through the seven things that Jesus said between time of his crucifixion and his death, seven things. We're going to look at three today. We're going to break them up. The first three today, we're going to talk about his compassion for people. His compassion for people. Then we're going to talk about his humanness, his humanity, how he was human. He felt pain. He felt Hopeless, you know, not hopeless, he had God, but he felt all the emotions that we felt. He, he was human, he felt everything. And then we're going to look at his divinity, how as much as he was human, he still was the son of God. So today we're going to look at the first, the first one. We're going to look at his compassion for people. So turn with me to Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Now remember, Jesus, where we're beginning here is Jesus was, he just, he's up all night. He has not slept through the night. He's up all night going through to different courts. He has had, he's just been scourged, whipped. He, his body, literally, the, the, the word of God tells us that he was, you couldn't even recognize him. That's how badly he was. They, they, they tortured him with scourging him, with ripping the flesh right to the bone. They ripped his beard out of, like anybody, any guy who has a beard and, and you pull it like it hurts. Like I know when, I, when I'm cleaning Daryl's beard up with the clippers, like it, if my clipper happens to like pull one hair, he's like in the roof. <laughs> you know, like that hurt. Imagine ripping the hair from his face. He's been made fun of. People are, people are you know, taking his clothing and, and bidding who's going to get his clothes. They're, making, they're insulting him, mocking him, beating him, punching him, laughing at him, making a joke of him. And then we read in Luke 23, verse 34. Where he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Just let that soak in your brain for a minute. Hard enough for us to forgive somebody because, you know, they walked right by me and didn't say hi. Hard enough for us to forgive somebody because they didn't invite me over for coffee and they invited somebody else. 
Jesus was tortured, mocked, made fun of. And at this point, he literally is nailed to a cross. Like, nailed. And he speaks to his father. And he says, God, Daddy, Father, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Just forgive them. Have mercy on them. In the midst of his bodily pain, he begs his father to forgive them. An act of love. He's teaching us forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us this prayer. And in that prayer, he says, he says forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. All along the course of Jesus' life here on earth, he was teaching us about forgiveness. Matthew 6, 15, just a little bit down. He says, if you do not forgive others of their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. If we don't extend forgiveness to other people, God will not forgive us. If you're here today and you are harboring unforgiveness, you need to deal with it. Because, my goodness, if you pass before you've dealt with your stuff, you are not having a ticket into heaven. It's as plain as here. You need to forgive. All through the New Testament, we see Jesus ministering to the sinners. He said, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the ones who need me, who need forgiveness. He was constantly forgiving. And here on the cross, he is showing his absolute compassion for people, his unconditional love for us as he's nailed unrecognizable, beaten badly, horribly, disgusting-looking, horrible, and he's asking on our behalf to be forgiven. It's compassion for people, at the, even at the very last moment. Like, he is about to die. He's breathing his last breath, and, he's, and he has compassion. God forgive them. Number two, Jesus is nailed to a cross, and on each side of him are criminals. He's in the middle of two criminals. And the one criminal is mocking him and making fun of him. And, oh, yeah, if you're, if you're so godly, why don't you get the angels and tell them to come take you? You can get yourself down. Come on now, show me. Like, who are, are you really God? Like, like, just making fun of him. And the other one is different. Let's look at Luke 23, verse 39 to 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. 
But the other criminal rebuked him, rebuked the other criminal. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. This guy recognizes, you know what, I deserve to be up here. But this man has done nothing wrong. This criminal recognized who Jesus was. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Like the last second. There's always hope. As long as you're still breathing, there's hope to be able to come and know Jesus, to have a relationship with him. There's no like lost cause until you've breathed your last breath. Remember me, he says. Remember me, Jesus. And the second statement that Jesus says, he answered him and he says, Truly I tell you today, you will be in paradise with me. He is giving assurance to this criminal, your sins are forgiven. You're set free. You might be bound to a cross right now. You may be bound to a cross because you were bound in sin. But you are no longer bound, my friend. You will be in heaven with me today. Ah, it's exciting. Exciting! So Jesus here, he's, he's making this statement of freedom. And remember in Matthew 5, Verse 7, when, when Jesus, it's a, we refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And Matthew 5, 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus, in the, like he's on the cross. And it doesn't look pretty, not like all the pictures that we see. You know, of this clean Jesus sitting up on a cross. You know, with a nice little thing covering the parts and everything looks clean and lovely. And there's just just a tiny wee little hole right here and a little one right here. That's all we see. It was a mess. It It was a murder scene. It was disgusting. It was horrible. And he's up there and he's like, we're going to be together tonight, guy. We're going to be together. You're going to be with me in heaven tonight. You might be bound to that cross, but let me tell you, you're going to be dancing in a couple hours. You and me, we're going to be dancing. Right? Immediately you will be with me in heaven. So the criminal receives freedom from his bondage of sin, his spiritual bondage, but he also receives freedom from his sin. Let's read Isaiah 61, verse 1. In the very, very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the very first time that he preached in a synagogue, and, they, and he brings out the scroll to read. And he reads Isaiah 61, verse 1. This is what Jesus reads in the beginning of his ministry. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. That's Jesus when he's reading in the temple, the very, the very beginning of his ministry. And here we see him nailed to a cross doing that at the very end of his life. He is doing that for a criminal. He's like, I'm here to bring freedom to you, buddy. I'm here to bring freedom to the captives. The third statement. He speaks to his mother and to John. Turn to John 19, verse 26 to 27. John 19, 26 to 27. I have a little cheat paper, but I still can't find it. Okay. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples who loved, uh, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple he said, Here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So I want you to imagine with me for a minute, all the moms here, or potential moms one day, watching your child go through what Jesus went through. Watching your child nailed to a cross, bleeding, extending forgiveness to people, extending forgiveness to a criminal, compassion, showing love and compassion to people after all that they have done. Imagine what, the, what Mary was feeling. Imagine the emotion she was feeling, seeing all this happen. Her heart would be broken in a million pieces. And Jesus, as he's nailed to this cross, rather than worrying about himself and his situation and what's going on with his life right now, he's concerned about his mom. He's concerned about her welfare. Because not only now is she a witch, she's a widow, she has been for a while, but he's been taking care of her. But now she will, in a in very short time, she will not only be known as the widow, but she will be known as the widow with the son who was crucified as a criminal. And in that time, I mean, it's bad enough that she's a woman, and it's bad enough that she's a widow, but now she's a widow with stigma. Because her son, oh, she's, that's the lady. She's the one. Her son was a criminal. Really? What did he do? He was crucified. He was, he was bad news. Oh, isn't she the one who had that baby out of wedlock? Oh, yeah, yeah, she's the one. Oh, yeah, she, she's, she's bad news. We've got to stay away from her. You can just hear the talking amongst the people. Life, Jesus knew, would not be easy for her. And in his last dying breath, he is making arrangements for his mom. He is making arrangements for his mom. He says to John, 
can you watch over her for us? Can you watch over so I know my mom's going to be safe? His compassion and his concern and worry for other people. Verse 27, we read that it says, From that time on, this disciple, who we know as John, took her into his home. We know that John took care of Mary. So these three statements, these first three that we look at this week, we see Jesus' concern for others. In the midst of his situation, how many of us go through trials and tribulations? And let me tell you, you're all going to know about it. You're going to walk in and be like, despite of his pain and his suffering, he's thinking about you. (laughs) Jesus met all these people where they were at and where they needed to be ministered to. They needed forgiveness. His mom needed somebody to take care of him. He will meet us where we are. There is nobody that he will look at and say, no, I don't got time for you. His love for us goes beyond his physical pain and suffering. These three statements show his absolute, unconditional love for us. Forgiveness even when we don't deserve it. Lord, have mercy on us if we will not extend forgiveness to somebody else. Lord, have mercy on us who don't extend mercy to somebody to extend that unconditional love. Forgive us. He gives us assurance of heaven. He gives us assurance of his care for us to not let us be and left in our situation 
but to make sure we're taken care of. He left us with hope. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I'm going to get everybody to stand this morning. The song we sang after offering Fall at Your Feet, I'm not sure. This is our God. We're going to sing This is Our God this morning. Because <laughs> this is our God. Who loves you. Oh, everybody just point to yourself and say, he loves me. He loves me. And he did all of that because he has compassion and love for you. You are loved. You matter. Let's sing this song this morning in closing. Let's worship him. Let's thank him in our own words of how incredible his love is, unimaginable it is for us. Let's sing together.
you gave us but we receive it we receive it God I pray that we would do honor to you that our lives would be a reflection of how much we honor you If you were willing to set your will and your desire aside for us, God, I pray that even more we would be willing to do that for you, Jesus. That we would set aside our wants, our will, our, 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 and we would just say, Lord, have your way. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, have it your way. And I will walk in faith and believing that you know better, that your ways are better. Hallelujah. God, we thank you, we honor you, we worship you, we praise your name. God, I pray for each person now as we go about our way, as we, we leave this space where we sense your presence and we, we go into the real world, may we not forget your love, your ways. May we acknowledge you in every single thing we do, I pray. Give us the strength that we need, Lord Jesus, I ask. In thy precious name, amen, amen. We invite you to stay for coffee. Grab some of our new people. Invite them with you. Stay for newcomer's lunch if you are able. Um, have a blessed week. Thank you, everyone. The worship team is going to play one more song. If you want to linger, you are more than welcome to. God bless you all.